This is Plant-Based Briefing. Why Aren't More Veterinarians Vegan? Part 1 by Karen Asp at all-creatures.org, originally published at sentientmedia.org. And I'm Marian Erickson, and this is the Curated Content Plant-Based Podcast for people interested in plant-based and vegan living. You know, most people go plant-based or vegan for one of three main reasons, either health, animals, or the environment. But there are many more, including infectious diseases and pandemics, antibiotic resistance, workers' rights, environmental racism, dietary racism, world hunger, wildlife extinction, and biodiversity loss. And recently, after hearing Jackie Norman, a former dairy farmer, speak at the Climate Healers Conference, I learned to add farmers' rights to that list as well. And I'll put a link to Jackie Norman's speech in the show notes and the Milked documentary as well, which apparently touches on this too. I haven't seen it yet, but I'll link that as well. But there are just so many reasons to live vegan. So I curate articles on all these topics, get permission, and share them with you here in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. And today's article is longer than that, so I'm splitting it into two parts. I'll read part one today and part two tomorrow. It's posted at all-creatures.org, and they have permission to share articles from some other sites as well. And this one is from sentientmedia.org. So now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Why Aren't More Veterinarians Vegan? by Karen Asp at all-creatures.org, originally published at sentientmedia.org. Veterinarians work tirelessly to save the lives of animals, the majority working with companion animals. Day in and day out, they spend long hours caring for cats and dogs, other companion animals too, often going to heroic measures to save them. They have, after all, taken an oath created by the American Veterinary Medical Association. Part of it states, quote, Being admitted to the profession of veterinary medicine, I solemnly swear to use my scientific knowledge and skills for the benefit of society through the protection of animal health and welfare, the prevention and relief of animal suffering, the conservation of animal resources, the promotion of public health, and the advancement of medical knowledge, Yet for many veterinarians, their food choices do not reflect that oath, even though it does not specify companion animals. While they may not be consuming cats and dogs, they are most likely consuming other species like cows, chickens, and pigs. The irony, of course, is that these animals have the same wants and needs as the patients they treated that day. Call it speciesism, the mistaken belief that some species are more important than others, at its finest. Of course, speciesism is a societal issue. But when those who believe that eating some animals but saving others is okay are the ones who have pledged to protect animals, the disconnect is mind-boggling. And it is an issue vegan veterinary professionals are becoming more vocal about. Why don't more veterinarians ask why they're eating their patients, says Ernie Ward, DVM, a plant-based veterinarian in Calabash, North Carolina, and author of The Clean Pet Food Revolution, who went vegan for his health and then animals because of the question he just asked. Why aren't more vets vegan, or at least more opinionated about why it's okay to do everyday life-saving measures for certain species, but not others? Answering that question is not easy and will require a shift among veterinary schools and veterinarians. How veterinary schools may be promoting speciesism. Veterinarians are no different than other individuals in that they grow up in a world and probably households where eating meat is normal. They're not any less immune to the deep-rooted cultural messages we've all grown up with says Diana Lavager Donetz, MS, founder of Plant Powered Dog and a vegan canine nutritionist in Delray Beach, Florida. Trouble is, though, when they enter veterinary school, those notions are often reinforced. 
There is a certain culture that exists in veterinary schools, Ward says. Although many will deny this, it is a speciesist approach. Ward describes how animals like cats, dogs, birds, and horses are categorized as near-human, which means they are regarded as having feelings and being able to feel pain. From day one of veterinary school, you're taught to treat these animals like they're little humans, he says. Not so for other animals. In many schools, when veterinary students do their large animal rotation, learning about animals in the food production chain, the views shift. The language changes and you're discouraged from saying things like, this animal is suffering, he says, adding that peer pressure also makes it difficult to speak up. Although these animals are just as brilliant and loving as companion animals, veterinary students are asked to blind themselves to their suffering and emotional needs. That language shift is even more apparent when looking at some schools' curriculums. At Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana, for instance, two of its food tracks are labeled as food animals. When you put animals in categories like this, it sends certain messages about how we view and value these animals, which translates into their care, says Candace Crony, Ph.D., professor of animal behavior and well-being, and director of the Center for Animal Welfare Science at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. Language is not the only variable driving this speciesist approach. Treatment of companion and food production animals also differs, especially when it comes to pain management. Vet schools teach that if you can help mitigate pain, you can help the animal recover, Ward says. But them refers mainly to companion animals, and when Ward, as a student, questioned why they were not helping reduce the pain of injured food production animals, he was dismissed. Discussion about the pain these animals felt was shifted, and the redirect was shocking. His professors lamenting about how pain and suffering would decrease the animal's ability to gain weight or grow. It revolved around the economic, not the emotional toll, and instead of discussing their pain, we focused on their economic value and how quickly they could grow, or how you could slow disease, he says. It's literally a type of brainwashing, as nobody would stand for a cat or dog having a gaping wound and not treating that animal. This is a tough lesson today's veterinary students have to swallow. Although we are never taught to provide a lower standard of care based on the species, the evolution of a bovine and canine, for instance, has been markedly influenced by humans. One was bred for companionship and protection and the other for food, says Hannah Dazara, a vegan veterinary student in the class of 2023 at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado who does not believe her school is inherently speciesist in its veterinary education, quote, This notion of putting roles on species still exists today, and because of this, the way we decide their treatment plan is still in part dependent on the role they play in society, which is just a hard truth, unquote. You just listened to Why Aren't More Veterinarians Vegan? Part 1 by Karen Asp at all-creatures.org, originally published at sentientmedia.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and please tune in tomorrow for part two of this article, and please share it with anyone who might benefit, and as always, thanks for listening.